and we are live we are live i don't know why this is like one of those weird things you start up a live stream and your first inclination is the am i live is this going on did it work uh did i start getting notifications on my phone that i am live which surprisingly i always always on the time well i always get my own notifications uh, on my other accounts uh, that i am always live um i see greg is in the chat good morning sabaha everybody uh, fat produce mr <laughs> andrew wallace is in there uh, and of course we have um sarvan hopefully i'm saying that correctly dan is in the chat man good morning there uh Ergeist is in here um Ergeist, dan and i play uh, a lot of uh, epic uh, sorry apex legend in um in the morning uh, but it's in the morning for my time uh, much later in the afternoon for him in the uk so uh timings and everything kind of works out perfectly and of course my mobile dashboard is actually active for uh for twitch <laughs> yeah um it is episode 74 of saturday morning with tech uh <laughs> green lighting there it is i wanted to put a little bit of mood lighting i turned it on during uh the best of our week with uh with juan a couple of days ago and i realized that i know i don't turn on the displays during the live streams mostly i'll be honest with you guys it generates a lot of heat over time since our live stream typically go for about a couple of hours the more lights i have on that are non-leds typically are going to generate heat my door is closed, so it technically anything that I generate heat from uh, could potentially cause me to basically start sweating in here and not because I'm not saying stuff. Um, Apex Pros for sure. Thank you very much, Dan. And uh, everybody, uh, ER 1980. Hey, man. Sabaha, man. Hope you're doing well. Um, it's been an interesting week for us. It's been definitely an interesting week. I pushed out a couple of videos um, on the channel, uh, specifically one. I, I'm talking basically Android updates. To me, this week is like a an update week. Uh, beta access, early access, you know, updated versions of uh, betas, uh, a return to beta access, which I think OnePlus did finally uh, was able to make the beta. I guess their first beta access, but in reality is an alpha or developer preview two of Oxygen OS, then they have it running on their devices. Now I installed it on my OnePlus 9, not the 9 Pro, mostly because I wanted to make sure that a, if there's any issues, which is what they were reporting, some people's devices were bricking with the first version. And I kind of understand why there is a heavier element or there's a heavier presence of color OS within that build. Uh, it seems like the uh, recovery uh, page actually specifically says color OS within, within uh, you know, um, Oxygen OS 12 beta. And then, of course, uh, there was also the, uh, I think the Wi-Fi password page. Like if you ever want to log into a Wi-Fi, that also seemed like it was pulled from color OS. So there could have been a mixed, um, maybe a mixed build access or something to that effect, but it is currently working. And the initial impressions of that is it's essentially a developer preview two of Android 12 um, on the OnePlus 9. And it, it is featuring at least one element that is present in Android 12. It's developer preview three, which is the new settings tab that we saw before we went to the Android beta Beta 1, I think. Beta 2 did get actually released for Pixel devices with a lot of updates that we've been wanting to see. Now, None of these versions are intended to be daily drivers, although I think Pixel smartphones, specifically the way I have it on my Pixel 4a, uh, they've been working uh, very, 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 very nicely, and I'm very happy with the implementation that they've done there. Uh, Dominic One is in there with us. Uh, Greg is definitely already playing with uh, <laughs> Greg saying, Android 12 too. He, <laughs> um, he's already kind of running with Android 12 in there. Uh, George Brown with us. Hey, man. Um, hope you're doing well. I'm still patiently waiting for the Xperia 1 Mach 3. I'm You and me both, uh, George. Uh, I will say that it has been one of the most tormenting experiences to see the presence of the Xperia. So this is no, no different than what we saw last year, except last year was a little bit different. I, obviously, we... Um, 
Europe had access to it. It was just the US didn't have access to it. So what we're seeing right now is there's an exclusivity going on in China for the Xperia 1 Mach 3. Let me go ahead and just quince. Um, and we're starting to see a lot of content being built there. And there's some there's a couple of channels I think that imported the unit and they're doing some content on it. There's a lot of things to be excited. Obviously, the Xperia 1 Mach 3 is an upgrade from previous generations. It seems, at least right now, that a lot of the impressions are very positive and a lot of deep dives into the actual capabilities of what we get there. So definitely a lot of improvements. I haven't seen one that focused a lot on the front-facing experience. Have we seen any updates there? Especially since we supposedly have now a different, this is a basic mode of Camera Pro that essentially is the default camera application, but they're calling it basic mode. So I'm, there's a whole bunch of things going on. But yes, I'm with you, George. Uh, I am waiting on the Xperia 1 Mach 3 patiently. Uh, they said summer and schools are over here in the US. Last Yesterday was the last day of school. And before I go too far, I do have a request from my son to share some of his artwork that he's been sketching. It's not original. It's sketching of other people's artwork, but it's definitely very, very nice. I'm actually very surprised to, to the uh, quality that we were able to get here because uh, that was something I was definitely not aware that my son could do. Um, I see ER in there, the jumping in. Uh, Saad Ben Anis is saying, Assalamu alaikum, how are you, man? Sabah, how kifak? I'm not missing this week, Saturday <laughs> with tech, Saad. No, dude, ahlan, ahlan, shukran. Uh, thanks, man. Always, always appreciate it. Um, let's see here. First question was from Sarvan. It says, TK, uh, always appreciate it. Thank you. Do you prefer the look of dark, quick settings, yeah, even in light mode uh, and power menus and style in beta 2? So, I looked at both. The colors are very different. The theme still permeates through within within Android, even if you're using dark theme or, or light theme. Uh, the colors, though, look a little bit different. Uh, personally, I'm always going to be kind of running dark mode. I mean, I'm sorry. Here you go. See, even the live stream is showing up on it. I like the colors in dark mode mostly because it just allows the buttons to shine a little bit more. It doesn't allow everything else to go kind of blend in. Now, the colors permeate, or at least the colors that we're talking about here, I think I'm pretty sure you guys have known this, is that Android 12 Beta 2 finally gave us the theming option. Now, I've had access to that actually for some time since the developer preview, but we had to do a little bit of trickery to be able to get access to that. The code was there. It was just not activated. Uh, we also have access now to the system-wide microphone, uh, microphone and camera uh, options to disable across the system. And what that essentially means is that if you're using the device and you don't want anything to use access or to have access to your microphone, even if it's the dialer, you can select it within the notification shade and disable it across the system. And that's actually a very powerful tool. The same thing with the camera. And we also noticed, that, I mean, Greg and I were talking as well, uh, there's now a notification light that's present on the top right whenever you're using your camera so that you know an app is used using your camera. It's kind of like a secondary a confirmation that the camera is on, even if you're not aware of it, if it's on. So there's no chance for something to run in the background. So those are some of the nice updates that we saw in there. Now, there's a couple of things that I will say that are a little bit, uh, I would probably say, I, I actually, I'm okay with it, but I'm not sure how it's going to be at the end because they changed. they changed one thing that I really enjoyed in Android 11 and even the early developer previews. Uh, but before I jump too far, I do want to mention to you guys, I am installing Android, uh, sorry, Android, um, iOS 15 beta one, finally on my Pixel, on my um, iPhone SE 2020. Um, I was a little bit late, honestly. I, I mean, I followed WWDC, I followed the updates. I saw a lot of the information going on, but I was literally knee deep in Android, uh, Android land with updates and so on. So I didn't really have time to be able to give um, the iOS beta uh, good enough time to be able to play with it. So I figured why not do it and we'll do it live. We'll go through some of those things and see some of those changes together. Um, I see here is uh, which we oh here. That's a good question here. Um, 
So uh, Andrew is asking real quick, which one do you prefer? MIUI, uh, so the, basically the Xiaomi MIUI system or ColorOS? Um, I mean, if I had to pick between one of the two, I probably may end up going with ColorOS a little bit more. I, I Ever since ColorOS 11, for some reason, it just has done a lot of the work that I like using. There's a few features in MIUI that I don't think ColorOS or any other, uh, very few other uh, custom skinned over Android are running very uh, very nicely. Um, I think MIUI is, is very fast, very capable. MIUI 12.5 is even better. Uh, but I still like the way ColorOS runs. And I'll say this. I mean, obviously, I use ColorOS uh, on my OnePlus. Uh, sorry, not on my OnePlus. On my Find X3 Pro. Let me see. Go ahead and see. Da, da, da. See here. And it just, it's very clean, very simplest, sim simple in the UI element. It's not heavily, like, I feel like MIUI is a little bit just um, transition and animation heavy in there. And ColorOS kind of shifted a little bit back from what they used to be with the original, like, ColorOS 7. And then when they went to 11, it was just done, like, massive improvements, speed, uh, optimizations, battery life got a lot better. So there's a lot of things in there. If I had to pick between the two, I probably would say ColorOS 11 uh, with MIUI 12.5 being a very close second. I like him. I like both of them very much. Uh, but if I had to pick one, that would be where I am. <laughs> uh, George. Okay, so George uh, Brown's asking quicker. So TK, random question. What do you think of people who carry two phones? Do you recommend it? <sighs> You're asking the guy that carries sometimes three phones, two to three phones, uh, I personally would say this. Um, there's a there's a there's a thing to be said where when you're carrying multiple devices, because like I said in the past, I think there's no such thing as a perfect phone. And depending if you have a personal and a work phone, that could also justify the reason to be able to carry two. Typically, that usually is my situation. But then also what ends up happening for me is I typically have to test devices against other devices. So like say I'm doing a comparison. And for those type of experiences, we need to have two phones with us. So for me, for the line of work that I'm in, it's something that you're probably going to always see me carry. If you ever run into me, I'm generally either running two, maybe three phones on me. If I'm not running two smartwatches, which is also the other thing that a lot of people kind of look at me twice. It's like, why is he wearing two watches? Like, can he not tell the time? Does he need that much tech to tell him time? Um, so yeah, if I had to pick between those, I probably would say, uh, yes, I think it's a benefit to have both, especially if you have a device that let's say you have a lot of your things on them, your personal information, things that, you know, you want to carry with all the time, but then you want to try another phone to see how it works. Um, typically those are things that you want to try, but again, the, the personal versus, uh, work is typically the, the, the scenario that most of us kind of see. And it is more common now to see people with two smartphones or two phones, uh, as opposed to just seeing one, which again could back in the day, like I mean, when I say back in the day, like a few years back, it was just un, you know un, unseen. You don't normally see anybody running with two phones. Uh, although I will say this much, I like the approach that we've seen in the past um, in Asian countries where they have multiple SIMs, like dual SIM devices. For some reason, the U.S. just doesn't get them. Okay, if you're buying a OnePlus straight directly from OnePlus, you'll get the dual SIM version of a OnePlus Nine and Nine Pro. If you're buying the same phone from a carrier, as you know, insert AT and T, T Mobile, whatever carrier that is carrying that has the, these devices, they typically have a specific requirement to remove the second SIM. So you end up having a single SIM version of your smartphone, even though you're paying the same full price as you bought it from, let's say, OnePlus. So that's something to be said. Uh, but that used to kind of um, 
cover the both situation where you have multiple uh, lines. So if you have to have a line for work and life or personal. So I find that that's a situation, but because we don't get that in the US as much, so like most of our devices are a single SIM, you're more than likely going to see somebody carrying two phones. That's why I think it's a little bit more, it's not necessarily acceptable, but it's something a little bit more of the norm, or you'll see more people, uh, more than more than the amount of people that you think would be carrying multiple devices. Um, oh, man. Okay, so <laughs> Andrew's, Andrew wants to pick on our weather a little bit. So glad to see you. Rika's doing great. How's the weather in LA at the moment? So we're going through at the beginning of a heat wave. So we we went through a couple of days. If And I would say a couple of days. I'm talking about maybe three or four days where it was nice. 80s, maybe high 80s, close to 90s. I think yesterday was like 86, 87. Um, and it was actually really nice. We ended up going to a water park with the family. And it was actually nice for us to enjoy it. Uh, unfortunately, we're starting to get into the deep heat issues again. So we came out of a heat wave a couple uh, about a week or so, and now we're back into it. And it's going to take us at least for the next few days. So when I'm talking about heat here in the U.S., at least for where I live in the U.S., there's a, different parts of the country get different types of heat. We don't have a humid heat. I think uh, Dan and I were talking earlier this week where he was uh, there was a lot of uh, obviously a heat wave going through uh, where he is in the UK and obviously different people and and theirs has a lot of humidity ours doesn't this is a very dry heat but we will hit something around 40 41 42 degrees uh, Celsius and about 100 or so uh, for us here in California at least in in the Los Angeles area where I am uh, so that's what we're going through for the next couple of days so it's going to be hot no rain as usual since we don't get any of that um, and it's pretty pretty much just dry heat so. A lot of fun uh, being outside in the heat. Uh, you get used to it. Um, and if you guys ever see Josh Quinones in the uh, in the chat, he lives not far from me, but where he lives, he's more inland, and his temperatures are even higher, closer to the 45 to 46 Celsius, which is even hotter. Uh, and that's typically what he gets. Again, still dry heat. So hopefully that makes sense there. Uh, Rolando's in there. Hey, man, hope you're doing that. Uh, hey, good morning, man. Just saw Rolando's in the chat. Uh, yeah, no, dude. Uh, so <laughs> Dan, Dan's like, my aim is terrible. You know what? It's not that your aim is at 99% better than mine in, in uh, when it comes to Apex. I think for me with Apex is just I don't get to I'll say this Warzone or at least Call of Duty, some of those types of games you can play by yourself. You can go into plunder, you can go do multiplayer and do different things like that. When I go play Apex and I try to play the game, because it's such a communal and more of a team-based effort, because you can't play it by yourself, but if you're playing it by yourself, you're playing with other people. You're not going to jump into a match at 3v3 and then you're like one against three. It's always going to end up being you plus two others. And what 99% of the time ends up happening is that you don't know what kind of combination of teammates you're going to get. Either the teammates are just going to basically rage quit, which is not something that I really appreciate because you're in the game, you're trying to finish it. Regardless if it's a bad game, just finish it, man. Just learn from it and get better and move on to the next one. Quitting it and jumping on another team is not going to fix it. Um, and then you, you also get the situation where if you do get the players that are on the on your team, but they're not necessarily playing at the same time. So essentially, it's like you have a map, you jump in, and then everybody fans out. Like everybody goes anywhere and whatever. There's that experience that kind of just jumps out from there. So what I would always say is, um, sorry, let me just make sure we don't have a package being delivered. Because you know, you know, you know how we do it here on Sunday on Saturday mornings with tech. We get packages. Uh, da, da, da. Let me see here. So yeah, no, what we typically end up having here is uh, that just type of experience. In Call of Duty and Plunder, I'm able to jump in by myself and not fill the, uh, not fill the squad and actually can play it. 
So I tend to enjoy a little bit more uh, Apex Legend playing it with uh, with Dan and, of course, some of his buddies as well, because it ends up being more of a friendship thing. Once we can figure out the audio situation, which I think I fixed it on Call of Duty, uh, we'll have to figure something out because we have a, a little bit of an issue with audio where he can hear me through the game, but I can't talk to him through the server that they're running. But we'll see how that goes. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how there. <laughs> Greg, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit behind on those comments. Uh, Greg is jumping in with DTK. Oh, no, Apple. Uh, you know what? We have to try everything. We have to see how the different experiences are. And we also have to see what Apple finally discovered that Android had a few years back. Uh, so those are one of the things. But the, the main thing I actually wanted to try, honest to God, is uh, the ability of doing FaceTime with an Android device that does not look horrible. Um, so just for reference, uh, it did finally update. So Android, uh, sorry, Android, iOS 15 beta 1 is finally installed on uh, my iPhone SE 2020. Okay, my second screen is absolutely all... Oh, Magnifier is in there. So they added one app called Magnifier that wasn't part of my original system. Uh, widgets, uh, let's say allow. Widgets are still here, everything. Okay, we'll have to play a little bit more um, with it a little bit more. But yeah, let's let's keep going through some of the questions in there. Uh, I'm with you, Greg. <laughs> uh, ER jumping back in here. Says, uh, he says, Dan, I don't, I don't bother anymore, but uh, heck, my handwriting is awful. Uh, now we, oh, okay, so I think they're answering something that's going on between the two of those between two of them as well. Ah, dang it. Oh, Rinesh, hey man, sabaho man, hope you're doing well. Uh, Salam brother, uh, Hamad is in there as well. Uh, Windows 11 release on the 24th of June or not. So there's been a lot of reason, a lot of rumors going on and we saw some information coming up saying that the new version of Windows is gonna be coming out. Um, even if it does get released on, on, on the 11th, on the 24th for Windows 11, I think it's a little bit, I would say it's one of those you probably don't want to jump on right away. A lot of things are going to be messed up. A lot of things are not going to be optimized. And if nothing else, especially if you game, if you produce, or you do anything on your system that is consistent and you need it to be consistently working, that's re major reason why for us not to update. But uh, if, they, if the rumors are true that the 24th would be the day for uh, and in Windows 11, essentially, finally, an upgrade to Windows as opposed to just patch updating it with new features every once in a while that you know when Microsoft and Windows has been doing for a while. So those are some of the things that we always kind of appreciate um, in the system there. Sorry, let me double check one more time. Um, I, get, I keep getting these notifications and I just want to make sure everything is good. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, nope, no packages yet. I am expecting a package, though, but that's a different thing. Oh, Matt Tyler's in the chat. Hey, man, hope you're doing well. Uh, Chemi Torres jumped in. Hey, man, um, the removal of the, uh, uh, of the second SIM in the U.S. is once related to the fact that um, you can add the SIM for, for a company is locked to... Okay, so let me, let me jump back. Okay. Uh, the fact that you can add the SIM of a company is locked... The SIM to a, for a company that is locked to it, the place, the second other carrier uh, to have unlocked experiences. Yes. So I think it's probable because... Most carriers do not sell unlocked models. Every device that is sold on their device on their networks is locked. And I'm talking about not just bootloader locked, I'm talking about network locked. Um, and I think typically they don't allow you, even if they did release a version of their phone that did have dual SIM, it will almost only be two SIMs working with one carrier as opposed to you carrying a SIM from AT&T and a SIM from T-Mobile. You'd have to buy the phone unlocked from either the original maker, meaning uh, so Samsung, you'd have to buy directly from their website. OnePlus, you'll do the exact same thing. Or Amazon, I think Amazon also sells both Samsung and OnePlus devices that are unlocked. So it's a, it's a, a little bit of a concern there. But I understand, yes, the, the, the carrier locked experience that we have here is very much dictating the way our devices are, are structured. 
but it explains again why if you're buying that phone from that carrier you're not going to receive one that has dual sim even though typically it does so all oneplus devices from oneplus.com are unlocked and that's typically the devices i get i don't get devices that are carrier locked with the exception of the one i got from sprint a few years ago when juan and i went over to uh, the 5g rollout of the sprint mid uh, midband uh, 5g so essentially the mid-tier 5g not the low band or even the you know ultra wide band that we see with verizon so those are the typically what you see. But again, this is why I always recommend if you're going to buy a device and you're not necessarily worried too much about financing it through your carrier, uh, which keep in mind, Samsung, OnePlus, every manufacturer that sells devices now does financing on their own. Um, you're able to benefit a lot more from unlocked devices. Uh, so definitely very, very nice. Um, I see that Matt Tyler joined us in the chat, man, the man, the myth, the Tyler. No, just kidding. Uh, hashtag Matt Tyler for the win. Uh, hey there, hope you're doing, you're doing well. I'm at work, can't stay too long. Yeah, it, uh, our schedule with Matt always kind of varies depending on the weekend. He's sometimes in the, you know at the office or working. And um, you know, so I appreciate you always stopping with us, Matt, and, and hanging out with us for a little bit as well. Um, so <laughs> George uh, is saying, my only, concern, my only concern with the Xperia 1 Mach 3 is overheating issues according to the recent review. So we'll have to say this much. The Xperia 1 Mark II is... Is, is basically using the same chipset that's been causing heat up or warm up with many of our devices on the market, right? This is not new to the actual hardware. So this is, unfortunately, what I would probably say is um, it's not something that Sony did, right? It's Sony's experience of what we're going to get with it. Now, I, I haven't seen the video talking about the overheating yet. I'm going to need to double check on that and see how they do it. Um, what I'm wondering, obviously, before seeing that video is when are they doing it? Is, is it overheating during gaming, uh, doing stress testing? Are they using HS power control, which is a function that's built in? So is there some heat generated from having the device plugged in, charging, or some kind of uh, process going on that's creating more heat than we typically see? Um, the Xperia 1 Mach 2, I can tell you that does not have as much heat concerns. The 865 did not have a, a, that type of a concern or issues last year. And I think I, I I will say this from using the Mi 11, from using the S21, S21 Ultra, the, the Mi 11 Ultra, any other device that I have that runs the 888, again, the Find X3 Pro, I can tell you that over a time or extended heavy usage does create heat. That's the 888. That's just it. If the carrier or the manufacturer did not specifically put in better thermal management uh, hardware, and I'm talking about you know either vapor chamber, uh, heat pipes, or anything like that to be able to dissipate the heat, you're going to feel it. My question, though, is once it's overheating, is it really hindering the device? Is there throttling? Are we noticing degradation in quality and the experience? Because typically, if the device is heating up, but it's dissipating the heat, meaning the heat that you're feeling is the heat released from the system and the system is still running optimally, I'm not trying to say that we should be holding or using devices that run warm like that or hot like that. Uh, there are grips, there are cases that you can put on that will help dissipate the experience. I mean, obviously, very few of us, like I mean, very few devices, with the exception of, the, of this one right now, mostly because I'm putting it in and out of the case that I have for it does not... Uh, the uh, the plug for the USB-C is not very conducive for most of my experiences. I always have to take it out of the case to plug it into my PC. So what I would say is this. Um, more than likely, there's going to be some warming and, and temperatures. But again, it, that's the 888. that we've, we've known this for months. This is not new. Um, you know, Obviously, they decided to go with the latest and greatest because that's what's available right now. They didn't want to run a second year with the 865 without it. Uh, they have 5G, so obviously there's a little bit more taxation there. Uh, they have a 4K 120 hertz refresh rate display, which is also a, a more power-hungry kind of an experience when you run it. 4K was already there, but 4K 120 is even higher. So higher refresh rate typically 
will do that. that. But I don't think that generally will cause heat. It's more of a battery consumption. But again, we need to see the exact scenarios. And I'm, I will definitely be doing testing on those, especially when it comes to gaming, uh, because I typically love the form factor of the Xperia device, especially the 1 Mark II and the 5 Mark II. Uh, they're longer format, which gives you more of a field of view in the game and your fingers are not cramped in on top of each other. So you get the wider view of the, of the smartphone without necessarily, uh, sorry, I just realized I was like trying to pull the, uh, exterior and I've already moved it over back there. So essentially you can see here, my hands are much wider than a typical phone where it typically kind of goes somewhere in the center. So experience wise, I feel like it's very, very nice. So we'll have to see. Um, I'm very stoked to see what they can offer. And again, the Xperia 1 Mark III, very much the exact same, from my understanding at least, should be very much the exact same form factor. It's a longer candy bar remote control style device with the 4K panel and the new optic on the bottom, which obviously this one doesn't have. We have two focal lengths uh, for the telephoto now. I think, um, I forgot the, the actual dimensions on that, but I, they did brief that uh, at the time. Uh, let me see here. Uh, I think I'm, I'm a little bit behind again. Let me see here. Oop, 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 oop. This is what happens. Always does that. Uh, starting, okay, so um, uh, Th Thelsh, hopefully I'm saying that right. Starting to look at Sony uh, 1 Mark III, uh, will, uh, sorry, will all the great improvements uh, won't widely be available? Still love the Mark 1 Mark III. So I think the comment here is very, very much true. Sony is more than likely not going to be releasing this device uh, internationally, meaning available in every single market. Right now, we know it's going to definitely be in, um, well, so I can tell you this much. I know it's coming to the US. They announced it. So US, Europe, uh, it looks like China and at least Japan. Those are the main markets that I know it will be there. So European Union, obviously the UK, so on. And then in, in the US, we finally will be getting two colors of it, the purple and the black, which is not... A, it's not a small thing. It's actually pretty big considering we've had a consistent color over the last two generations, which is nothing's wrong with, but I feel like you want to always have options. And I felt like that purple one that came in the UK um, and actually in parts of Europe, that was very, very nice. Like as a color, just in case you ever want to use the phone without having um, any case on it. Uh, plus that matte finish that's going on there. So we lost the reflectiveness. So one thing that we have or we've had on the one mock through you'll notice right there it's that whole reflection it's very very almost like a mirror finish great for uh you know for uh focusing on yourself if you want to be able to take some pictures but unfortunately it's also very much easy to show the fingerprint so i'm hoping that that also got fixed with the new addition there uh let me see here uh Greg saying is, yes, you could definitely, I mean, you can finance it with almost any company now. I think everybody realizes um, since they started to request thousand plus dollars on phones, Samsung <clears throat> right there, and then recorrecting their pricing. Uh, the fact of the matter is that nobody's jump. I mean, not saying it, nobody, the majority of us will not jump into an investment like this, especially since we know that devices typically tend to basically, you know, just be that much. It's going to cost us a lot more. So just fork up that much money at one point is hard. So yeah, financing definitely very much available um, on most carriers, or I know even most companies that sell them. Um, so Tanesh said, "I got the I got an iPhone uh, that's locked, but I don't intend to get another iPhone um, anytime in the near future. So as long as it works for the carrier that you're using, I think you should be perfectly fine. I think that that experience, as long as so the thing is, it's not necessarily that it's locked. It's as much just does the work that you're looking for. I think that's primarily the main thing. If it's locked to the carrier that you're using, then you're perfectly fine. Unless you bought a used one and it was locked to another carrier, that's a different experience. But yeah, I hope it does work there. 
uh, existing existing electronics uh saying hi tk uh just hopping in man appreciate it thank you for coming over and hanging out with us aditya the man the myth himself is in the chat sabaho tk uh hope you're doing well yes thank you um it is a good start for a saturday um it is a little bit on the warmer side but you know what it's we're getting close to summer uh, we're almost in the middle of june um heck man uh, next weekend is father's day here in the u.s on sunday on the 20th uh 20th or 22nd? Hold on. I'm, I'm giving numbers, but I don't know. Uh, da, da, da. No, it is the 20th. So next Sunday, the 20th is Father's Day here in the U.S. for us. So literally, we're, we're, we're chomping at the bit there. We're kind of in summer. Uh, schools are out. We're going to start going out. So it's going to be very interesting for all of us. Um, let me see here. Uh, Greg is in there. Air guys. Uh, oh, Dan saying is uh, seems sorry. Sony seems to be very very good on thermal, so I don't expect them to have any issues with the 888. So this is where I'm kind of a little bit. I I don't know. I the way I've seen the 888 being handled so far has been, you know, putting it into a device that looks the way they want it to look, but not necessarily accommodating the thermal part of it. Uh, gaming phones, at least, let's say the ROG Phone Five and the Red Magic Six, definitely did put in some hardware in there to optimize for it, and even they got warm. So this is the thing to keep in mind. Uh, it's one thing to feel heat. It's another thing to understand that that's the heat dissipating, meaning if you feel there is warmth coming out of the phone and your phone isn't being throttled, the experience is still running very nice, then at least you know that the experience, is it, what's going on is that the heat is dissipating and it's doing a good job to release the heat. The problem, obviously, is typically it gets released around where we're holding it, so those are the issues. Um, but I, I don't know with Sony. I think the HS power control is a very big step, a very big differentiator for Sony over other smartphones on the market because you're able to plug the power in, use the phone with power without having to charge the battery, reducing heat and extending the battery life on your smartphone and then allowing you to play games without necessarily having worrying about heat caused uh, throttling on your system. So those are the things that I'm, I'm kind of a little bit more interested to see when, the, you know, the, I think George was mentioning about the heat being reported. I'm not sure if it's, again, the scenario is always going to be the, the determining factor. Um, was, he, was it generating a lot of heat when you were taking pictures, taking videos, or was it when you were gaming, or what was the experience? Uh, but definitely, we know at least Sony def, uh, definitely is very much um, mindful of temperatures and performances on their device. Uh, TK, the overheating, overheating. Ah, okay. So here, yeah. <laughs> now that I scrolled down a couple of comments, I can definitely see what's going on. Um, so George is saying is that the overheating that they noticed is, uh, in the tinkering, uh, so it, it was in Technic's review of the Xperia One Mark III, the camera applications closes after 20 minutes. Um, I'll say this, the Xperia One Mark II did that for me last year when I was testing it out before I was able to give you guys my initial hands-on with it. Um, two things are a big factor of this. Um, for me, I was enduring Los Angeles during this type of weather, the really hot weather that we're going through. Uh, and when you're outdoors trying to shoot 4K 120, 4K 60, or any high quality video in the sun over that much heat, it, two things kind of happen. And at least the way I was able to circumvent that on my one Mach 2 was I needed to basically make sure that in my experiences where I was, either don't shoot 4K when it's super, super hot so that the device doesn't generate more heat. Um, when you're using 4K, when you're shooting video at a much higher frame rate, uh, and again, this is true on the One Mach 2, uh, and you're using your smartphone outdoors and it's really hot, I'm talking 41 Celsius, again, over 100 uh, Fahrenheit, uh, your device is running the display at a very high level. It's running the ISP, pushing it to the highest level, and it's trying to shoot and perform at the highest level, 4K 120, 4K 60. Um, I don't think, I did, we finally got 120 now, but back then it was, I think the issues I was having was 4K 60, because that was what I was able to shoot. The device did give me some heating, and that's something that we've seen in the past. 
There's not a lot of room in that device. But I, I'll say this much to you. I've seen that happen on my Samsung, on Galaxy S21 Ultra, and I've seen it happen to the Xiaomi Mi 11. And that's something to do with the processor. There are issues with heat that it's generating heat and any minimal amount of external heat generated around it could also put the device into some issues. So my only thing I would probably say is um, understand the environment that you're in and understand that what you're using in what it actual has, like the limitations. Uh, but I'll have to double check. That's That's a little bit of a concern. But I will say this, also step back, Sony was able to fix that on the Mi Mon Mach 2 with updates. So I don't longer have that issue, even when shooting at 4K 120. So there's that going on. So it could be a software concern there. Uh, let me see here. I think I'm showing something here. Okay. <laughs> Dan is, apparently the overthinking problem aren't as common on the international versions of the phone. No, and that was the thing. It's it's not as much. For me, it wasn't a big issue back then um, after the updates when I did receive it. Although I will say that the hardware I was using at the time, the one that did show me the heating issues, was pre-production hardware, which I, I don't know. I mean, it seems like I think that his version is probably the, the market-released version of um, the Xperia 1 Mark III, which keep in mind that's the Chinese edition version of it. So I'm not sure if there's any limitations or any kind of um, things that are going to be done differently for international models. Uh, I know already that there is at least the customizable button for the uh, for the Chinese model where in the U.S., well, for us, when I when I had a chance to play with, um, what's it called, the Xperia Pro a few months back, I did a video for you guys. We had that same, uh, they called it the assistant button, but it was essentially a customizable button. Um, and that's going to be basically called the assistant button on the Xperia 1 Mark III when it comes to the international market. In China, though, it's a customizable button for some of the few other search engines. And I think I saw that in one of the videos um, online. I think it was when you push the button, it asked you which service you want to be bound to. So we'll have to see how that goes. Um, still think the 870, let me see here. I still think the 870 is a much better option than the 888. Absolutely. I think for what we've seen with the 888, the 870, which for the most part is a, an overclocked 865 plus. So, uh, I think it's a much better architecture support separating the modem uh, from the processor is a little bit of a big difference there because 888 incorporates it and we're dropping down to a dual ISP over a triple ISP. So there's some functions also that are going to be lost, but I think from a thermal level experience, when it goes down to gaming and so on, I think you're right, damn. I think for sure it's going to be one, one that would go there. Um, Jimmy Fire Dragon is actually saying this. I think the 865 doesn't have the heat problem because of it wasn't overclocked. Well, actually, the 865 didn't get that heat issue, but even the 865 Plus didn't have that issue. And that was an overclocked processor. Um, although you're saying, I think what you're pointing into is that what we see with the 888. I think the overall experience is depending on where you're getting it from we haven't actually heard any rumors of the 888 plus maybe an 888.1 uh, which could potentially fix some of these issues but again i think the understanding of, so the thing you want to keep in mind is this hardware it takes months and almost years to get developed what we're seeing now what we're seeing released today was conceived last year probably early last year in 2020 when the whole thing wasn't even the, the whole current situation wasn't even there so this is the thing that we have to understand is that the decisions that are made on these devices are very very much set in stone even before the hardware is officially announced so the hardware we're seeing even though qualcomm may have overclocked and there's certain things going on there that's where the limitation of the concern that are going is it's like they made their plans they have their roads they have their cars and now we're trying to fit these things that are just running a little bit hot but we're not figuring out you know how to cool them um i think external coolers like the rg phone 5 and the red magic 6 are definitely the right direction uh, that could help us reduce some of that heat so bring in an external cooler to generate some cool temperatures in the back especially for extended gaming sessions but we'll have to see how that goes um greg got a, pr a 3d printer dude hopefully you're doing well hope you're enjoying that as well 
Uh, let me see here. I think I missed something. Uh, okay, here. Oh, <laughs> for, so uh, concept creator, do Jermaine, hope you're doing well. Thank you very much. Um, I noticed it and I think I was trying to catch it and I didn't see it right uh, right away. Uh, thank you very much for the, uh, for the super chat. Always, always appreciated. Uh, thank you for the support, man. And I'm a big, big fan of your work as well. Concepts and everything on the channel as well. Jermaine, massive. If you guys haven't had a chance to check them out, please, please do. Uh, so for sure, that one, a lot of things going on. Jermaine flying, <laughs> flying in with the super cap. Always, always very nice. Um, so George is jumping back in with the, my future daily uh, carry-on will be the Xperia 1 Mark III and an iPhone 13 Pro Max, which apparently will have 120 hertz. So my thing would be is this. Pick the device that you feel like will do the best for you. I think the Xperia 1 Mark III has a lot of potential, specifically for 2021, because there is not, but there isn't really no other device like it um, that runs this type of experience on a, in a smartphone, in a handheld experience. Um, we're talking literally latest and greatest uh, hardware from the processor to the RAM to the internal storage. Um, also, we're talking an actual quad deck supported headphone jack, wireless charging, stereo speakers with 360 sound, a lot of things going on there. Um, also, you're talking about a device that has almost a near stocking ex stock experience. So very small, very minimalistic when it comes down to those experiences. Uh, you're also looking at a smartphone that is going to give you literally one of the only smartphone that is a flagship smartphone that it enables you to use. That it, And what I mean by this is it's not that it's not supported by Android 11. It's just not customized with a, um, a monitoring app. This supports HDMI with a capture card uh, uh, connected to it, HDMI line in and monitoring using the app that's built in. So they developed an app for Xperia Pro. They brought that over to the Xperia 1 Mach 2. It will be part of Xperia 1 Mach 3. So those are things that you can definitely realistically, you're not seeing any of these experiences with anybody else. So the one Mach 3 is a big win there. Um, the iPhone 13 Pro Max, I think is something for us to kind of look into and see what kind of goes on. The reality is, I hope that, you know, Apple starts to build in some actual improvements that will convince people that this is truly a move in the right direction. iOS 15 seems to be working on improving and op giving us more optimizations and more customizations within iOS that we haven't had in the past. And I think I enjoyed it a lot on iOS 14. That was a big change for me. The, the ability of organizing our home screen a little bit better more than what we just have basically is pages and pages and pages of single apps without any kind of organization other than just folders. Now we have widgets. We have the ability of using that organization panel, the final panel on the uh, on the iOS uh, page. So it's something to, to appreciate. Uh, so my hope is that the 11 for the 11 Pro Max, uh, sorry, the 13 Pro Max will meet the needs uh, when we find out more about what it actually offers. Uh, other than the fact that it will be the largest iPhone of all the bunch that will be there. Um, <laughs> Jermaine always always jumping in with the super chat, man. Always appreciate it, man. Uh, always, always going on really nice. Uh, oh, here. Uh, let me see. Okay, so uh, I can't see. It's, um, it's, it's, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Is your friend Salah? I'm not. I think you're talking about Android Basha. Yes, I know Android Basha. And um, when we did have a chance to be able to hang out with each other during events and so on, we did get a chance to hang out a lot. I think the last time I actually saw Salah was at the, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was CES 2020. We got a chance to hang out hang out during CES 2020 when he came out. Uh, Ahmed and Khalifa didn't get a chance to. So Ahmed from uh, in Slorks, if you know him, Ahmed Bariki. And then, of course, uh, Khalifa Harun from uh, Mr. Q was not able to make it to uh, CES this, that year. So yeah, Salah, uh, Salah and I did get a chance to hang out. So hopefully, uh, hope, hopefully we'll have a chance to hang out again. And I do want to 
I did receive a lot of updates or requests for trying to start an, uh, an Arabic version of this live stream, uh, that something for the weekend for, for the Arabic folks. So yes, yeah, definitely. Um, Air guys, uh, Dan is saying is HS power control needs to be implemented by more manufacturers. I, and it's great. I think it's feature. Yes, absolutely. And I think one thing that I would really appreciate from Sony, if they can, is to allow HS power control to just be its own thing and take it out of the game center. Right now, HS power control only works within the customizations within in, the gaming center. So if it's not a game or an app that you add into the gaming system, it won't turn on. Meaning if you're using, let's say you're shooting a lot of video for an extended amount of time, those apps are specifically excluded. So we don't have that function within a camera experience. And I really love that. Uh, for benchmarks, I'm able to add that in there for, for basically performance improvements and so on. You can see those. But the default camera, like the Cinema Pro, the Camera Pro, and obviously now the Camera Pro, well, the camera Pro Basic or the Camera Basic, the basic version of Camera Pro are not part of it, and you can't really use it there. So I really wish we we would see that function added there. The other thing I would probably say is um, Red Magic did inco inc incorporate something called power separation, which is exactly HS power control. Uh, so we're seeing other companies carry it, but not on the on the scale that we typically see other companies do. So what you're seeing is um, you, we need it more on the Samsungs, on the WAP, on the Oppos, on the OnePlus. Um, one thing I will say though that the OnePlus Nine Pro managing the heat from the A88 did a much better job. Although we had the, that GPU thermal, uh, that GPU throttling that we have there, which essentially is giving us a sixty, a good sixty frames per second gaming experience on certain games, that should be able to take the full benefit of the one hundred and twenty hertz refresh rate. So we'll, we'll have to see there um, how some of those things kind of uh, you know evolve or get better. Um, Sony, so George's comment is, I think Sony needs to uh, develop their own cooling system. The weird part about it is where, and then they didn't mention it to anybody, the Xperia Pro does actually have better cooling mechanism to accommodate the ultra-wideband modem that they incorporated there than the Xperia 1 Mark II and or the Xperia 5 Mark II. So I think Sony does have the tech, but I think it's something to do with the design of the 1 Mark II and potentially the 1 Mark III, since they're very similar, at least aesthetically. Um, so it's something to be said of what they're able to do, but my, I do hope that they incorporate more or better cooling. And that would have been something they would have been able to plan for had they known what the concern, concerns and issues. The Xperia Pro by design was built to be a ultra wideband supporting device for Verizon in the US. So they knew all of that had to fit. So that's how they designed it. The One Mark II and the three and the One Mark III um, I don't think we're designed to be in that manner. They were designed more for consumer base. So essentially for us to be able to use them, not necessarily prosumer, but you also need to keep in mind that, you know, the Xperia Pro, I think if I'm not mistaken, it was like 24, 2,500 bucks. And this one started to sell for about 1,200 bucks last year. And I think you can get a decent deal on it now, especially since we have the Mon Mach 3 coming up very soon. Let's see here. Um... Saad, Saad Benanis is asking, what do you think the iPhone of the iPhone 7 stopped getting updates? Will that uh, will will that be the right uh, essentially is okay, so will that be right after iOS 15? So there's always going to be an end of life, right? There's an end of life obsolescence. There's two things that Apple does that we need to understand and, and see what they're doing. Apple updates all of their devices with the latest version of their, their operating system for a much longer than what we typically see Android devices do, right? But that's because Apple controls almost every part of it from the display, from the SOC, from the structure, the software support, the driver support, and so on. Um, even down to the throttling that they were doing with older batteries and older devices like the iPhone 7 or the iPhone 8, if they recognize that there's a degradation in the battery, they they basically throttle, throttle, well, throttle the device so that the experience get cut, get matches what you're able to do. Obviously, there's a lot of other problems going on in that situation. Um, 
iPhone 7, if we really have to kind of go back realistically, this is the iPhone 7 body, right? They recycled the iPhone 7, the 6S, I almost dropped it, into the iPhone SE 2020. So for the most part, I think it is literally the end of life there. iOS 15 is even coming, though, to the original uh, iPhone SE. So that's how far back they were able to go. Um, I appreciate that fact. I, I don't know, realistically, if you want to still keep getting updates that could potentially slow down your system a lot uh, once you update it to Android, uh, less, not Android, but like iOS 16 at some point. iOS 15, for sure, you're going to notice some performance and some degradation in performance on your device. There's no question that that's, that that operating system was not intended to run 100% on a chipset that was released three to four years ago. And Apple won't do that. And I think in their mind, their goal is to get you to upgrade to another iPhone. And I think that's going to be the connection. So I would say is if you're comfortable with the version, the way your phone works right now, let's say an iPhone 7, a 6S, or even an 8, don't upgrade. Unless there's something specifically causing you to upgrade, there's generally going to be an improvement on the operating system, but you're going to receive some slowdown in the system that you are going to notice. And as iPhone users, I can tell you this for many years, every time we upgrade to a new version of iOS, there's always going to be the, is this going to be the version that slows down my phone? That's how I felt. And I've had iPhones since the iPhone 3, iPhone 3GS. And those that's how long I've been dealing with this. And I don't know why... It's not common knowledge, uh, but if you've ever felt like when you buy a phone, uh, let's say an iPhone, and you get an update to Android, the next version of iOS, and you suddenly had the urge that basically you're seeing like your phone's not really as snappy as it used to be, maybe I should. this will be the time for me to go pick up a new iPhone. It's planned. That's how I've seen it, and it, it, it is something that people have noticed and commented on it before. But I, I do hope that essentially at some point they will fix that and maybe provide more software updates. The problem is development around iOS devices post-life, like basically post-support um, period, is almost non-existent. Uh, for the most part, the only thing you could probably end up doing is unlocking it and install some custom, uh, you know, you can probably unlock it and get some extra features, but not, you're not going to be able to install new versions of iOS by unlock it. It's not like an Android e development ecosystem where you're able to get a lot of custom ROMs for it and customize it and change it. Uh, iPhones, for the most part, are considered to be... Um, you know, you're like you buy the one you have, you you use it to little expected life, uh, you know, kind of goes through, and then you have to make a decision if you want to upgrade. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, ER1980 is asking, it's like, do you uh, do you plan or are you thinking about trying to get uh, your hands on the Pixel Buds A? Um, so for me, I, I debated between the big. So here's here's the thing. I made a decision between two different things. I we obviously a lot of us knew that there was going to be a release of an update, the XM Force. And I had to kind of make a decision between the two. Right now, the XM4s is what I decided to go with. Not, not to say anything's wrong with the Pixel Bud A. I, I have my Pixel Buds. So there for me, it, this is more of a tailored experience to a lower price point. I think at some point, I will probably get my hands on one of them. Right now, unfortunately, I'm focusing more on the XM4s. I want to push out a video for them next week and hopefully um, get that out. So uh, yeah, right now, I'm, I'm focusing mostly on the XM4s. I've been waiting for a couple of years from Sony to release an update to the XM3s. Um, and it's just, this is what we have right now. And this is what we're going to have to go with, uh, at least for now, at least for now. Uh, let me know ER though. So if you, if any of you guys did decide to pick up the pixel, but they, uh, I think I'm interested to see what they can offer for that price point. Um, ah, okay. What's your view on the OnePlus Nord CE? Um, so the core edition of the OnePlus Nord, it's a OnePlus Nord. Uh, it was 5G enabled. So essentially it's a it's the core, the core elements, the way OnePlus describes it, it's, it's the core elements of OnePlus or what the OnePlus Nord can offer. And this is Nord by OnePlus. Obviously, this is the mid-ranger, more price-affordable versions of OnePlus devices. 
Um, I think it. I think for the most part, really, it's it's a successor to what we saw last year with the N10 and the N100. Um, it has 5G on it, so definitely a, a much much more improved experience. And we are seeing more processors now supporting 5G. That's something that changed from 2020, where at the time what we had to do, you had to get to the high end, so you had to hit the six, seven, sixty-five, the seven fifties, and then you're starting to see some of those experiences with the seven fifty, which is what uh, what we're getting. And then you're able to get 5G with those. Prices are coming up, coming down a little bit as well. Um, I think it's a good device from what it what it's trying to offer. I mean, it's something that OnePlus is using the same recipe that we've used. We've seen them from them before. You get the full benefit of Oxygen OS. You get the benefits of what OnePlus offers as far as software updates and and, and security patch updates that you get there. Um, and again, with Nord, you're paying less. That's literally what the experience there, and it's a little bit tailored. So you're not getting, you know, OnePlus Nine, OnePlus Nine Pro, or Nine R experience. Uh, so for what that is, I think it's a good deal. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, though, Saf is running a OnePlus. I think if if I'm not mistaken, I think Saf is running a giveaway. And I don't want to say specifically, but I, I want to say I saw that online. Uh, that there's some information there for them to do uh, somewhat of a giveaway for the Nord SE. It's not a US model. So unfortunately, I was not able to get my hands on it. I was hoping to get my hands on just to kind of check it out. Uh, it's coming up in Europe right now. So the Nord SE is what's coming, or CE, CE, not SE, uh, Core Edition 5G. Um, I think, honestly, it's another it's another good price to performance ratio device from OnePlus. That's the recipe for Nord. I think that's where we're always going to be able to enjoy that from them. Um, Okay, so here, good question from George, real quick. Uh, TK, do you did you have five G on your one uh, on your uh, on your Xperia One Mark II, and was it good? So no, uh, in the U.S., we did not have five G on the One Mark II. The One Mark II in the U.S. was released as a four G LTE. In Europe, the same hardware, same software had a 5G modem built into it. So the European market had five G for the Xperia One Mark II. In the U.S., uh, I couldn't get a straight answer from Sony at the time. I think my understanding was just a, something to do with the um, too many different standards, too many different things to kind of have to touch on for them to be able to say, look, uh, this is 5G and this is how it's going to be. They were able to figure it out with the 888. We should be able to get 5G uh, connectivity on that. So for me, it was 4G LTE. And I'm not going to lie, 4G for me, at least in the area where I'm in, I was able to get about like a couple of hundred down uh, and about 40 to 50 up. So that's actually pretty decent speeds for considering if I had to kind of equate that to 5G or the low band 5G that we typically get, that's typically the same speeds that we get there. So it, it really didn't change much from that experience. That would probably be my 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 take on what's going on with that one, at least. Um <laughs> Greg, I like that. So Greg is jumping in with the, I think the 855 still works awesome with the pixel, uh, with the hashtag pixel made. And I think he's referring to the pixel, uh, pixel 4XL. So yeah, no, for sure. 855, actually, I'll take that back. 845, 855, 865, and 888 are very capable processors. The performance gain from one generation over the other, with the exception of the specific hardware tuned experiences that they were added in there, are very similar in the general usage. I'm talking about like just opening apps, closing apps, taking pictures, and so on. I think for the most part, we're able to get very similar experiences. The 865 and the 888 obviously have a few extra tricks up their sleeves as they are much later in their additional features. And the 888, of course, just takes the cake with the triple ISP configuration as opposed to the dual or even the single ISP that we had with earlier generations. But I'm talking about just sheer horsepower. The benefit of what we get here from the 855 is definitely still strong. And in theory, the 855 on the 4XL is stronger than the, 8, the 765 that we saw last year on the Pixel 5. So think about it this way. The, 8, the, uh, the Pixel 4XL is technically still the strongest, the most powerful uh, uh, Pixel that's on the market right now Till we see what, what Chapel has to do for us with the Pixel 6. 
So yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Thalesh, hopefully I'm saying that right. Um, I have 5G on mine and it works on 5G, but it isn't widespread enough yet um, to, for that matter. Yeah, exactly what it is. Um, it is 5G, but you really have to kind of also understand some carriers choose to dim, the, to turn on the 5G uh, single signal on your phone, meaning it sends the signal to the phone, but they're still throwing out LTE over 5G. So that's the low band 5G. So just be aware when you're doing a speed test, check when it says uh, as far as the connection, because that generally doesn't get tricked by the connection. When you're running a speed test, let's say you're using the uh, the uh, the Okla or the Ukla app, that typically tells you what your connection is. So hopefully that helps. Uh, Aditya, okay, I think uh, Dominic is answering Aditya the question there. There's a couple of things going on there. Wow, okay, I jumped in pretty quick. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, let me see here. George, uh, thank you. Yeah, dude, anytime, anytime. I'm glad that hey, the, the whole point of the show on Saturday is really for us to kind of have a, a nice talk, tech talk about tech and what's going on and what, what's going on, the, you know, in the tech that's going on right now. Uh, Amar, no, TikTok is not banned uh, here. We actually still have access. And if I'm not mistaken, I think there's some conversations going on to undo some of the things that may have been done in the past to limit that experience. But no, no, TikTok is still here. Um, and uh, I, I think it's something that we have to kind of keep in keep in mind in there. Um, so George, last question. I think I missed your last question there, George. Um, so the XM4s are... I, they're just the XM4s. They're good. They're that good. I, I can't explain it. Um, the The sound experience on the XM4s is very close to what I had with the with the XM4s, the over the ear XM4s. So um, it, what uh, George is talking about is about these guys. The uh, the XM4s from Sony. Hold on, let me get them in pro. So these guys just got announced and actually just became available. I think was it Wednesday. Um, the sound profile is very nice. That the customizations within the Sony app are very, very well done. But again, it's typical to what we've seen from Sony. This is not new. Um, but the hardware, though, the noise cancellation function in there, uh, the audio performance, the LDAC support, the range, um, the uh, the performance, just overall, just the sound is very, very nice. Um, I will say that they remind me a lot from with the original XM3s. I can say that much. I like the design a little bit more because it, they're not as protruding as the XM3s. The XM3s used to basically sit out in the middle and kind of like just, they, they had a very unique, bold statement. Let's just say that. It was a bold look that not everybody would have been comfortable kind of carrying. These don't have that problem at all. Uh, easy to pair, easy to connect. The connection on the back, the pogo pins on the back, you put it in. It turns on and it tells you it's connecting and tells you exactly what the battery level is. So you don't have a question of what's going on. You can use them in single mode. You can use them in dual mode. And then one of the other things I really like about them is the magnet is crazy good. Like this is the magnet in there. Close it in there. USB-C on the back. Just it's just it's typical Sony. It's Sony to, at its best. A couple of years later, but definitely we finally got the successor to the XM4s, which is what we didn't have back a couple of years back. Uh, let me see here. Uh, ta -ta -ta. Aditya is jumping in here. Uh, I would wait for 5G phones. Uh, okay, I think that uh, dark. If I'm not thinking, if I'm not mistaken, I think Darklight is answering somebody's question about 5G connectivity. Uh, I I mean, did the, did the uh, did the I I in a while? Oh, okay, <laughs> I think yeah, he did a concept on that one. Is I think we saw the concept going on there as well. 
uh, only use the ultra wideband. Uh, Darklight, no. Uh, it, for my at least for my experience, the way I had my experience with the Xperia Pro, uh, it worked on both ultra wideband and uh, it worked on the low band. So they had both. I think for the longest time, Verizon was carrying their 5G connectivity on ultra wideband, and they were just calling their ultra wideband as 5G. Now I will say this: once you connect, once you see the true sheer power of ultra wideband. There's no question that 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 typically that will really be what you think of when you think of 5G, because you want to see a generational a massive generational bump. 4G LTE, I think, on maximum perfect performance, perfect line of sight with you in the tower, you can get like 256, almost 300 megabits down, and that's crazy considering that that's 4G LTE. That's existing tech from a while ago. 5G, for the most part, runs in three different bands, right? There's the mid band, the low band, mid band, and then there is the ultra wide band, which is the high band kind of thing, if you think of it. The low band, for the most part, is mimicking what 4G LTE with better signal penetration, the different buildings, and as well as better, better signal throughput, meaning the consistency of the signal is definitely better. The low band is pretty much there. So you're not really going to see massive data connection speeds to jump. You're going to see better connections to your smartphone. Where the mid-band comes in that kicks up a little bit, like and it's just like think of it as low band, um, you know, double time low band, which is what Sprint was trying to release. Um, that gave us connection speeds of close to about 500 megabits down. So that's about half of a gig down, which is serious considering what we typically used to get. Now, ultra wideband not only doubles that, but like triple to quadruple it. I was able to when I was running the Xperia Pro, I got a couple of times when I was doubled when I was testing it, and I hit literally over two megabits down. Two megabits down on, uh, I mean, seriously, just the ability of downloading them, downloading something at, let's it, the, the the counter goes up into the 16 to almost 2000. That's how high we're talking about. And to me, those are experiences that you can only get with ultra wideband, but you also can only get them when you're like seriously like you have to be in direct line of sight you have to see the tower your phone has to see it there's no connect there's nothing in between you and it um and that also i mean and i'll say this i did a speed test standing next to my car facing the tower stood and then jumped into my car and all i had in front of it between me and the tower was literally the glass and of course the air going on and that cut down the speed that that's how much ultra wideband is sensitive. So when we say Verizon and we say ultra wideband, Verizon had to build up their standard 4G to up to 5G. So there is the low band 5G for Verizon, which the Xperia Pro supported, and it also supported the ultra wideband. Right now, though, my understanding is um, I didn't get any confirmation from uh, from uh, from uh, uh, from some Sony that there will be a version of it specific like uh, what we saw with the uh, Xperia Pro. But it essentially is they said that it'll support 5G in the US. So I'm assuming low band 5G for everybody. That's what we're going to be getting. I know it was kind of a longer version of an answer, but I wanted to kind of cover that specifically what it was. Uh, let me see here. Uh, the low band 5G did did enhance 4G LTE a good bit. Yes, definitely, for sure. Uh, don't forget. <laughs> yes, please, please, everybody, if you, got, if you get a chance, please. Uh, yes, for uh, everybody that's checking it out, please make sure you hit like and like the video as, as it always helps the channel. Uh, and if you're able to share it, please make sure, make sure you do so as it also helps the channel as well. Um, Hold on, uh, Chemi's jumping back with another question, real quick. So, Chemi, regarding the I uh, regarding iOS, um, they updated uh, they updated to the Nokia here. Uh, okay, 
Oh, regarding iOS, and then we jumped into things. They updated Nokia here features uh, to update the Nokia map. Oh, that's right. Updated uh, a little bit, having uh, the option for Google uh, Google Meets, iMessage features, and the old MSN Messenger, uh, and so on. So the updates I think that are coming are a little bit more not consistent across. I think the biggest thing that Apple wanted to kind of push, which was their updated app maps, which if I'm not mistaken, they're not available everywhere yet. Uh, there was a few updates to their services as well when they started talking about updating their core, uh, core service, specifically the ability of uh, being able to put things in, uh, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think like more private access. So there were certain things that were added uh, in there. Um, how are you doing? Oh, dude. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Okay. So uh, Saif, Ahmad, Saif has had a question here and I don't think we got, if I'm not mistaken, I think I may have missed that question. Sorry. Let me see if we can find it. Da, da, da. Okay. It must've been asked quite a bit away. Okay. Um, uh, safe uh hanama sagar okay hopefully i'm saying that correctly do me a favor if you don't mind just posting the question in one e one post and i'll see if i can catch that for you as well um here uh ronaldo ronaldo saying uh quality of the modem is also affects a lot on the speed of 5g that is true uh depending on the carrier depending on the manufacturer that you're using if it's using an intel base if it's using a qualcomm base if it's using uh you know a huawei base like with the ballon uh i think it was a ballon 5001 that uh, huawei uses for their devices you're going to get a different experience and of course some devices well i take that back the 888's big one of the biggest announcements that the 888 was put together with at the time of launch was the fact that this chipset is capable of supporting with the modem that's built in um, all of the bands of 5G across the world. So it was supposed to be one of those international models that can, in theory, a manufacturer can basically request a, a, a part that is unlocked for everybody. So you could use it in any country on any carrier and still get the 5G connectivity. Now, typically, that that's not what happens. Most likely, more than likely, carriers will be like, "Well, we support these bands. What's your base level requirement?" And give us D's on top of that, and that's typically what they get. What that does essentially is it by default forces you as a user to only use their services and not necessarily get the same experience. If let's say you decide to take this phone and like unlock it and then go over to XYZ carrier. Um, speaking of XYZ, uh, not that I've called them XYZ, um, US Mobile. I think it's called US Mobile. So they reached out a couple of days ago or so um, after I was interacting with somebody else online and, and they wanted to send me a, a SIM card. So I'm going to get hopefully get a SIM card to check them out. They're supposedly um, better, I would say more affordable experience when it comes down to connecting to 4G, 5G that, uh, than what you typically would get from Sprint or T-Mobile. Now for me, the, reson the thing that resonated the most was T-Mobile. I've used T-Mobile for many years. And for me, that's something that I, I think if I'm able to find something that gives me a better bang for the buck than what I'm currently getting from T-Mobile, I don't mind switching over. But at the end of the day, I want to be able to see how they compare to some of the T-Mobile surfaces in the area, especially where I live. That's always going to be something that's unique to anybody that you can you, you switch to. So I just wanted to mention them mostly kind of a, a passing thing, uh, but we'll have to see how that kind of goes. Um, so I'm going to take this natural little bit of break in the comments real quick. I want to share with you guys, and I cannot believe we actually hit about an hour. So I was like, let's see. Okay, I'm going to turn on the camera. Give it a second. Um, but I do, I seriously want to show you guys these guys. So let's see if we can do this. Okay, let's switch over. So first thing first, uh, this is art by Omar Bay. <laughs> My son uh, drew a lot of these things, and essentially he's, he's sketching them. So I see his art that's available online, and he decided basically sketches it on a paper right in front of the screen. So you could see right here, this is Goku. I think, no, I'm sorry, I take that back. This is Gogeta going on with the Katara earrings, and I think this was from one of the scenes. It looks good on both sides, but I feel like it looks the best right here. 
then of course he jumps into a little bit more into Naruto, finishing up a nice bowl of ramen, going into that food coma right there. Uh, it's very, very nice. And then starting to color it right there. So very, very delicious, very ramen-y kind of things. Uh, next, real quick here, we have, uh, this is Android 17. So if you guys are familiar with Dragon Ball Z, this is uh, part of the, I think it's the part of the last scene of uh, the uh, ultimate uh, tournament of power that they were running. And this is where Android 17 kind of finished it off. So you got him there. Then, of course, we have Brawly in his uh, Rage Edition. Uh, of course, this is from uh, Dragon Ball Super over there. Not colored yet, but definitely looks really, really nice. And again, he's sketching these from, from looking at them on a screen. He's not tracing them. This paper is very, like you could see my hand. It's not, it's not clear. This is very thick paper. It was drawn over. Uh, so here's another one. This one, I think, is uh, Vegito, if I'm not mistaken. SSJ4 with the tail. Uh, we actually have that, that action figure as well. Uh, this one, I don't know if you guys can help me. I can't figure out who this guy is. I don't remember him. He did mention, my son did mention it to me, but I didn't get a chance to remember what it is. Uh, this one is very nice. Obviously fits into the whole cat uh, thing. And then last but not least, we also have Android 18, the, the one that he really likes the most. Android 17 sister. And of course, uh, this is one of her famous scenes, um, although, you know, a little bit there going on. Very, very nice. Uh, and the last one that he did, and I think he did that one for uh, his grandma. This is a tiger, a uh, nice colored uh, Bengal tiger. Uh, again, just a lot of nice things going on uh, with what Omar has been doing. So he asked, he said, he's like, Baba, can you do me a favor and share it with all your friends on <laughs> on your live stream? Um, I was supposed to do this on, on Thursday uh, with Juan Carlos, but I did not get a chance to. I was... Uh, there was been a lot of things going on, so we didn't get a chance to su to do that one as well. So, let me see here. Oh man, Aditya, thank you, thank you very much, man. Always, always appreciate it. Um, so, Aditya saying that those are really good. Uh, the, the very uh, from very different perspective, they do. They're very, very nice as well. Um, I like them. I, I actually that was the biggest thing about it. I wasn't aware that he had that part of him. Like we've seen. Um, what is it called? I know he likes anime. I love, I know he has a lot of things like in that, in that aspect. And I'll tell you this right now. And I'm not saying that I'm, you know, I am personally not a good, I don't know how to draw very nicely. Like he does. This is definitely something I'm, I'm from his mom's side. She's more of on, I'd say the creative side, as you guys probably already saw with her Instagram, with the food, food blog, uh, which <laughs> I'm very, 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 uh, very chill kind of level trying to even mimic with my i started the channel on, on a request from aditya to start a food channel i actually asked i asked you guys on uh, during the week um i did post a video which i got a little bit of mixed reaction to a whole bunch of people from it and that was the whole eating watermelon with mustard in it in theory when you think of that idea right just the sheer thought of mustard and watermelon makes absolutely no sense not only that probably makes you feel like oh no that's not something we should try and then you try it. And then you, I mean, and, and I'll say this. I I saw this thing on, on TikTok for months, for not months, for weeks. Not once did I ever consider trying it because to me, it's just TikTok is TikTok, right? You watch them, you enjoy it, you get over it. Um, I saw, or I, I was watching the new uh, one of the new shows. And I think I'm pretty sure you guys know about it. It's Phil, uh, the Philip DeFranco show. Big fan of the show. Uh, you know, they film actually not too far from where I live, which is surprising. Uh, and I know a couple of people that work there. Uh, but it was Phil's comment on one of his daily, on one of his uh, you know Monday to Thursday shows, where he said he tried it and he said it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. It's not what you think, but it kind of it's it's not bad. 
Um, so I decided to do my version of the challenge, which essentially is I chose to basically make sure that the watermelon that I was trying was very sweet. And then, of course, I used just standard mustard that we have that we typically have in the house. Um, it really is not as it's not what you think. And I think there's that initial shock to the system when you eat it. And you're like, because your mind is thinking, I'm going to get that sour. I'm going to get that mustard. I'm going to get that mustard. And then suddenly you're like, wait, it's sweet. The watermelon overpowered it. So short answer. It was a quick TikTok uh, that I posted, and I wanted to share that with you guys. So I, at that point, I decided to take that clip and start a new channel, which is essentially the TK the TK Food Bay. That's the channel it's going to be. Um, and I have another video that I just edited, and Adobe Rush. Uh, it's not going to be all shorts, but it's going to be short form video. Most of the videos on this on this channel is going to be under two minutes, and it's intended to be in sixteen. It's basically in a vertical uh, experience, so it's more of it's it's intended to be more of like a TikTok experience. I'm trying to keep them under sixty seconds to to meet that requirements of shorts. But to me, that channel is not going to run any long-form videos at the most two minutes, but literally tended to be a food blog or food review, a food experience. And the next one is a, my, one of my favorite breakfasts. So it should be coming out hopefully uh, in, in the next day or so. Uh, I seriously, I, I edited it and got the video ready. Um, and I just need to kind of code it correctly because it's over one minute. So I need to code a little bit more than what we typically do when it's under, which is the, the shorts. You don't really need to do much. You just turn it on and you post it. This... You need to. It's about a minute and a half, but you'll. You, I'm sure you guys will enjoy it for sure. Uh, oh man, dude, thank you. So you guys, if you're in the chat, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, um, Aditi, I just posted the chat, uh, the link for that in the chat. So yes, I am. I am ramping up my channels. I don't think I have enough the Arabic and the English. I need to put another one. But um, the, what actually what happened with that one is was very much a um, honestly like it's it's it came out of the the love and appreciation from what my wife is doing. Everything you see on my wife's uh, blog for Instagram, seriously, has been amazing. Um, and I get to actually try all of those foods. So I felt like, well, why not make it where I'm using those experiences to for the things that she's posting to enjoy them with her, but and then also post it on a YouTube side so I can get that aspect going on. And then some of those clips can also go into her content that she posts on her channel. I'm not intended to convert my channel into a food channel on, on Instagram. And for YouTube, I felt like the, uh, the algorithm would just not work for me at all. I have no food content on the channel. The mustard and uh, the watermelon and mustard, honest to God, was... A way I felt so fun, it felt so fun, so refreshing, such a like off the cuff kind of thing. I wanted to post it and see what you guys thought. I think the whole, uh, quite a few people liked it. So, and some of them were obviously very much like, "What are you doing, TK?" I think somebody was asking if I was drunk or something like that. But yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, <laughs> Dan is like, "I'm not a foodie, but I already subbed." Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Always, always appreciate it. Uh, Luis Luis Carlson uh, is saying, "You got this." Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Dominic, always thank you very much. Everybody else there. Uh, it, it is very, very nice. And like I said, um, her inspirations for the foods that she loves to make and then my appreciation of eating all those foods, I had to put something together. So the Lebni one, uh, it's called, it's going to be a Lebni. It's, it's a breakfast um, dish that uh, Lebanese people like to eat. And it's something that actually you probably find in most Arabic uh, places uh, or Middle Eastern places. So uh, it's a nice little quick thing. Very, very nice. And again, uh, the goal is to be short, one, maybe one and a half to two minutes long videos, nothing very uh, formal. And it is going to be very much in the horizontal, not uh, sorry, in the vertical uh, aspect. So essentially like an, as if it's a reel, but not going to be a reel. So we'll have to see how that kind of goes in there. And Jermaine, thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. I only have that one mustard and watermelon video there because I figured I needed something to start the channel. And uh, but the other one should be coming up uh, on Monday. So I want to be more consistent. And for now, my goal is to have at least one, maybe two videos a week. 
one for sure. And then once I'm able to cons cons consistently cons sustain the production on that, uh, that's the goal that we're going to go with it here. Uh, oh, Felipe A has a good question. So let's let's jump in real quick with Felipe. Um, this okay. So Felipe is saying this, this is the we're this sorry, this is the worst iOS uh, presentation I've ever seen. There's only new stuff on iMessage and on FaceTime. So first, we need to keep in mind, Felipe, is that this is not iOS 15, right? This is iOS 15 beta one. This is the first iteration of what we saw here. A lot of the optimizations that they were trying to shoot for are on the services side, but also in also in the background when it comes down to maps and, and some of those options that you get there with the widget. Uh, Mac OS and uh, iPad OS, I think, got a lot more updates as well, but it is still a beta. So the rule of betas are typically said, do not... So my thing would say, if you ever want to continue or start using a beta, Always understand that complaining about a beta doesn't really fix the problem. Helping, providing uh, basically system logs, providing concerns or issues, uh, and then flowing them up through the support system, that's what helps a lot of people. So I'm not sure if there's going to be a lot of updates. And I mean, this is the thing I would say. For an iOS user to get more features on an existing system that they're using, and this is the same thing for Android. I mean, for us, if we really have to kind of consider the fact that Android, for the most part, is shifting. Android is, I mean, I, and when I mean by Android, I mean Android, the experience that Pixel, that Google has given us through Pixels is shifting. The UI elements that we're getting here are very different. And when I mean different, I'm talking about, like here, so you can definitely see your concept creator right there. Uh, <laughs> dude, I love it. This actually, uh, I, I just, sorry, I just got the notification that uh, Jermaine just uh, subbed to the channel. So you could see here, the UI element is very different. I mean, this is not, this looks nothing like Android the way we had it. Uh, the power menu even changed. So you can see here, the power menu is changing now. It looks like it's going on in a different direction. Uh, they took away the, uh, the uh, control buttons. So the ability of using your automation, I'm hoping that that comes back in a button. I think it's just in that transition phase. So to kind of circle back to you, Felipe, is iOS beta one, that's where it's there, right? iOS 15 beta one right now, it's the beginning part. They're going to get some optimizations. They're going to get some improvements. And by the time it becomes officially available, a lot of the things they announce should be already incorporated into that. So those are the things we have to wait a little bit more. I, I, I feel like sometimes if we judge a version of the software when it's in beta, we're just preemptively kind of jumping a conclusion. And I think we should give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Apple obviously is not doing this just to release an up, uh, you know, a point upgrade. They're doing it because they want to upgrade uh, in... Well, they want to optimize the experience, fix some problems, and introduce some new features. That's typically what we what we expect. So hopefully we'll see how things go. But yeah, uh, <laughs> Jermaine, you showed up. You made it on iPhone uh, on my uh, on my Pixel 4a with Android 12, man. Uh, speaking of which, I think we're we're really overdue for the Pixel 5a. I don't know why we haven't seen it yet. It's just I don't know. It's something to be said. Um, on Thursday on with with Juan, I said. Um, I, Android 12 beta one or beta two is starting to look more like it's, it's like a custom skin. I, I'm trying to make it, not trying to make it sound like that. So there is different versions. I do want to say this. So Android, the way we get it, we have to understand that Pixel is typically in, used or seen as the most purest version of Android because it's released by Google on their hardware. So you typically see Google's vision of how Android should be. What we get with devices like OnePlus, uh, uh, Oxygen OS, and Color OS, and MIUI, and and insert you know all of the different skins that are available. Those are those companies' vision of what Android should look like on their smartphones. Now they change certain aspects of it, but not everything kind of goes away. The reason why I'm mentioning this. Typically here, so let's let's just go in real quick into. Uh, I need to unlock this one. Sorry, you you get devices and you don't unlock them for a while. That's what happens. So 
the normal toggles that we have here with Android, this is Android 11 on my OnePlus 9 Pro. So this is what Android 11 looks like on the OnePlus 9 Pro. This is typical. That format of buttons have been there for, for years, right? One, uh, uh, Google has basically said, we're going to take it and we're going to change it now to be more this style. This is probably what we're going to start seeing with other OEMs because other OEMs can't go away from this. They can change the they can change how the uh, settings tab goes away, but whatever ends up being the final version of Android 12 buttons uh, schematic, and if we don't end up getting a scaling, we're going to have a little bit of a concern there. Um, that's going to be what we see with, with Android 12. iOS is going to be in the same boat. They're still kind of working it out. So I wouldn't, I would probably say don't stress over what you're getting now, but definitely look forward to seeing some more additional features. Uh, yeah, and and Greg, no, so I'm with you. It definitely is a very refreshing look, but it is such a change, such a change. Like it's a truly, what Google said that this is, they so they call this material, material U. Keep in mind it's intended for you. Um, it's the biggest UI UX, um, sh uh, basically uplift that they've done to Android for a long time. So for sure, yes. Uh, do I like them? Absolutely. I think they are customizable. They're easy uh, in the sense of where you're able to turn them on. I think some of the security features are very powerful. I just want to make sure that we're moving forward, not removing certain features. The control, uh, the uh, automation control from the home, from the power button were a, an amazing placement of those functions. And I want to see those come back. Uh, the power button's placement now being in the notification panel. I feel like this is a Samsung thing. Like, why do we want it there? Um, like it doesn't make sense for somebody to say, shut down your phone. Oh, bring down the notification, look for the power button, click it there. It's always been holding power button for uh, hold the power button for more than one second and you get the menu. So that feature, I feel like that's what Samsung did a couple of generations with the one UI. So we'll have to see how that kind of goes. Um, oh, dude, no, Greg, dude, that, absolutely. Uh, keep in mind, guys, I, I realized that we were putting the show a little bit late. Um, I do like the fact that Juan and I were able to work it out so that we kept it at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, as it's at least for some people that are able to jump on it that are maybe more on the West, uh, you know, Central or Western, uh, Western uh, or East Coast, uh, sorry, uh, time zones, that they're able to basically jump in for a little bit. And uh, I think we caught Dan uh, uh, jumping and moving from the couch back to going back to sleep uh, in the middle. And I appreciated him just jumping in, even for just saying hello kind of thing. Always, always appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, Finn, Finn Jacobs is in there. Hey man, hope you're doing well. <laughs> yeah. So Jermaine, I'm with you. Yeah, no, that was my, my biggest thing. It's like, I don't understand why you would put the power button there. I, I understand there it's iterative. It's moving in the direction of going final, but that button placement where it is now was not part of any of the early updates. This was something that was recently added into Android 12 beta one beta two. So this is definitely a change. Um, I want it to go back to where it was. I mean, they can leave it where it is here. Absolutely no problem with it. It just doesn't make logical sense for me that if I want to unlock my phone, so let's say I want to shut down my phone, I need to bring down, bring it all the way down, look for the power button, click it there, and then get the menu to come up where I can easily just press and hold the power button and the menu still comes up. So for me, those are the things that I would love to be able to see, again, optimized, but we'll have to see what the final version kind of goes through. So here, uh, Dark, Dark Light Angel is actually saying, I like to go with iOS because of the five years of updates. So that's changing. That's about to change with what Google's able to do. A big part of what's going on with the, uh, with the updates on Android, uh, outside of obviously a cost savings from a company side, so I'm not talking about third-party OEMs. I'm going to try to focus it mostly on, on, on Google and Pixel. Um, it's 
a big part of it is actually support from the manufacturer for the chipset that they're using. So they're, they've been using Qualcomm chipsets for years. And uh, they're starting this, you know, obviously we know Whitechapel is going to be announced in the next couple of months. September is right around the corner or so on. So the reality of the matter is because they don't have control over the longevity of the lifespan of the chipset, the support, the driver support that you're able to get from a company, three years was the most that you we were able to get. Security patch updates or software updates. So that's the biggest driver. Google's ability of taking over that, meaning the ability of controlling how the SOC is functional and, of course, how long they're able to support it, will help them go longer when it comes down to Android support or Android software updates. I'll take I'll take that back with a one one little kind of caveat is in on Android that's a little bit different than iOS you are able to go into a little bit more of a development side unlock the bootloader install custom ROMs not on every device but a majority of the devices especially if they've aged for a few years there's enough people that have them that you're able to see starts or start to see some support for them and those things typically help you extend but again that's not something that you can do just easy right you can't just unlock it and do whatever. Uh, and more than likely at the time, once you do that, you you erase everything off your phone. So I'm not trying to advocate for that unless you're comfortable with it. But typically, yes, that's the thing that, you want that differentiated between Apple and, uh, and Android aside. Although I will say this much, keep in mind with every update that you get in I, on iOS, typically the performance takes a little bit of a hit. So your phone is not running the same way five years with that five years, for fifth year update than it did at the day one or the first year worth of updates. Uh, but that's typically how we see it anyways. Uh, I'm not trying to put it down. I'm just, it's truly how I've experienced it with iOS. Like I'm pretty sure iOS 15 on this will run pretty decent, but I know by the time iOS 16 comes around that the A13 Bionic starts, it's going to start showing its age a little bit. Dominic Wong, it's 4 a.m. in the... <laughs> Dominic, that's around the time I get up in the morning. Good morning, man. Hope you're doing well. It, it is one of those weird situations. Yeah, uh, depending where you are in the world, the time is, is an amazing factor. Um, and I'll say this, the the beauty of what we had, if there's ever a thing for me to appreciate through this current situation that's going on, is that the internet and connectivity, the way we have it, it brought us all together for this amount of time. And we're able to sustain and build up on all these relationships, the friendships that we have, the you know people that we work with, the hangouts, everything that we get a chance to do. Zoom became a thing, um, you know, uh, you know, WebEx and uh, Teams and everything, essentially Google Meets, all of these video platforms are becoming very prominent. Um, and it, in a certain way, with the, with the, with a massive help from Juan Carlos, giving you a massive nudge to kind of start up the show again. Um, we are where we are now, so which is very, very nice. Um, George, jumping back in. Sorry, one last question about the XM4s. Uh, do you need Bluetooth 5.2 for LDAC codec? No. Uh, we had LDAC actually on the, the um, I think it was as, as early as either 5 or 5.1. Uh, I know I had LDAC on the first XM3s, and I had them on the XM4s uh, the over the years, and as well as what we have them now. So it's not something that it, you really needed them. Um, I am not 100% sure, but I almost want to say that the first generation two years ago also had LDAC. Uh, they don't call it LDAC specifically. They just call it high quality. So essentially, it's turning on the quality over uh, the, I can't think, yeah, like the distance. So there is two modes in the uh, in the music, in the playback. Let me see if I can show that to you guys. So here. Let's, I'll turn them on. And, I, and I'm with you on that one. Uh, I know what you meant there. Da -da -da. Let me see here. Okay. So here, if we jump into the Sony app, I'll bring you guys back here. Oops, I always keep doing that. Oh, connect. You gotta take them out of the 
the casing. Give it a second. Okay, so you jump into the sound and then you can go down at the bottom here. So then you have the ability of using Bluetooth connectivity quality. So you have priority on sound quality or priority on stable connection. The stable connection is typically what you use when you're using it and you wanna be able to go further and you notice that you're not gonna be sitting next to your phone a lot. But if you wanna be able to bump up LDAC, you can turn it on from here and then it gives you the ability of turning on the audio experience. And then if I'm not mistaken on certain devices, let's jump back here. Okay, we lost connection for a second. I don't know why. Come on, reconnecting. You also have this feature that's turned on here. So turning on LDAC in the settings directly will enable that feature to be turned on. By default, you don't have that on, by you'll see it in the notification panel. So this is, if you just go into notification, press and hold your Bluetooth and jump into the app under the settings, you do need to turn on LDAC in here. So that enables it for you. And again, this has been available from earlier generations of, one, of uh, Sony devices. So it's not specifically, um, it's not exclusive to the XM4. So let's just say that much. Let me see here. And I just got an email. No. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Not, 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 not the emails I was waiting for. Let's just say that. Um, I will say... Uh, I can, I can share a little bit more. Okay, so I'm in the process of upgrading. I think I kind of mentioned this to you guys a couple of, maybe a week or so ago. So I got the Ryzen 9. This is the this is the 5950X, and I haven't put it in my system yet, mostly because I think I'm due for over for an overhaul for the system here. So what I mean by an overhaul, I think the casing, the the, the cooling that, that's going on in there. So I'm, I'm using an air cooler right now on the 3900X. And although that's going to be perfectly fine for the 3900X where I was running it on stock, I want to be able to push the limits a little bit more with the 5950X. It's That's really one of the reasons why I wanted it. So I'm also going to be going with a, an air cooler that's going to be, not an air cooler, an AIO cooler, an all-in-one, basically a water cooler setup for that chipset from GameDS or GameDS, depending on the company that you know. And um, I'm also trying to get myself my hands on, on one of their cases. So the short answer is I'm I'm giving the, the my PC a big facelift because my intention, and I don't know if you guys could see this, I've actually cleared up the section right here. This is typically where you've seen a lot of my devices and so on. I've done a lot of house cleaning in the last few weeks and I've cleared it up and I want to move my PC up there for some more RGB coloring for, especially for effects for the video. Um, as I want to start focusing more on PC hardware and, and doing more PC related content. So that's one thing. Uh, so look forward anyways, in the near future. Um, I think if I'm not mistaken, hardware should be starting to come in. And once I have all the hard, the pieces done, I'm going to do a build video uh, and it'll be nice just to kind of share with you guys some of those improvements there. Uh, the 5950X is definitely very nice. Uh, let me see here. I think I may have stopped something. Da, da, da. Oh, Finn, Finn is in Belgium, uh, is saying it's 9 p.m. in Belgium, uh, Central Eastern Europe, uh, Central Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you guys know... <laughs> Oh man, it is uh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Dominic is jumping back with uh, TK. I was mentioning, oh, okay. I was mentioning it when Matt moved uh, from his sofa to, to the bed on, uh, oh, uh, yeah, on, thir on Thursday. Uh, now, now I'm, I'm afraid uh, it's 7.52 p.m. now in the UK. Okay, peace. No, no, I was going to say 4 a.m. It was 4 a.m. for him. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie, you know, it's happened. I'm, I'm pretty sure quite a, quite a few of us have ever have fallen fallen asleep on the couch like late in the afternoon, especially if it's a long day and you're really exhausted. You just end up naturally. It's the comfortable place to be. You fall asleep. And uh, what I appreciate about it was the fact that as he was literally going from one spot to the other, um, he gave us a, a little bit of a love there. And that was really what I was I was trying to comment on for sure. Um, 
Dominic one is 252 p.m. here in Virginia. Yeah, East, Eastern Standard Coast. Uh, so U.S. as you as you guys probably know, obviously, you know, we have three time zones, three major time zones. Um, unless you're in an area or a state that doesn't observe the, uh, the time change, then the, that time could change depending. Uh, I'm I'm looking at you, Arizona. I like you, but you know the whole time change thing. I wish we were all like it. Um, yeah, no, no water cooling. Yeah, so for sure. I, um, so I still have the, the GPU thing. I, I don't know if I'm going to give up on it, but the reality of the matter is all I can say is, um, Newegg has been playing with my emotions way too much. And so I have taken a few days off from checking on the Newegg shuffles. I don't want to touch them. I don't want to go there. I, it just, it builds up my hope too much. Daily access or daily availability of 370 TIs on the Newegg shuffle, but the day before that same system, they said they didn't have enough for people. So they arbitrarily are, are allocating a small number of units every day to extend this consistent people having to come back to their site. And at the end of the day, almost nobody, I mean, I think I saw one person online that actually ever won something from the new X shuffle. If I'm not mistaken, somebody also on, on Juan Carlos's, um, uh, man, I think what's it, the discord server also won one after months of trying but then it just it just never works, right? The 3080 TIs are never available. The 3070 TIs are not there. I need to figure out what's going on. My biggest thing though here is that here's the limitation. I know a lot of you guys have mentioned why don't I not go over to you know to AMD side? It's the DLSS part, and then of course the ability of using uh, having it better optimized for uh, Adobe suite of, uh, of tools, the creator tools. Nvidia and Adobe are pretty much the only two. I mean, obviously I can use. Um, you know, like the Vinci Resolve or something like that. But the suite that I have that I bought already a license for for a, on a yearly basis is all Adobe and it is all basically, you know, Premiere, um, Auditions, After Effects, Photoshop, and of course, uh, all of the other tools that we use in there, the encoder and all the conversion tools. So for me, NVIDIA always works best and I'm going to have to wait till I'm able to get my hands on something. But it is it is what it is. I am moving forward with updating the build minus the GPU till that kind of works out. But I, I don't know. We'll see how I feel like on Monday. Um, okay, so here's the interesting option. Uh, so uh, we have uh, Jimmy Fire Dragon is asking, should I update my... Um, here? So he has the Watch Active 2. This is the Samsung one. Watch Active 2 to the TicWatch GHT, GTH. Um, so the experience on, those, on both of these smartwatches are similar. I think the Active 2 may have a few more features than the GTH has, although the GTH is obviously very new. So the GTH is not running... Uh, Wear OS or Tizen OS. It's running RTOS, this, the other OS op operating system that we've seen from other companies. It's a great smartwatch, long battery life, uh, great uh, metrics on that, and it looks really nice. It's very small in format that it just makes it look nice. It's similar in a way to what you get with the Active 2, with the exception of the round as opposed to, you know, the, the, the square face as opposed to the round face that you're typically seeing there. Um, I think if you're really kind of considering going in from it from the active two, maybe let's wait a little bit if you if you're able to wait a little more to start to see what Google and uh, and uh, Samsung or Google announces with Wear three or the new version of Wear and what are those smartwatches coming out. Um, I can tell you that TickWatch as a manufacturer makes a lot of different versions of TickWatches. So what you're looking at the GTH it may may technically be one of their I would say all rounders. But you also want to see some of the other things that they have with Wear OS on them. Um, I know last year, I think the year before, they had an E model. There's the E3, and then there's another model that are typically less expensive, but you're still getting the benefit of Wear OS with the synchronization of note notifications, messages, access to the assistant. So there's a lot of things going on there that you could definitely benefit from. Uh, the GTH, 
for the price though, it's hard to beat under a hundred bucks, getting all those features with a nice long battery life. Uh, it's very, very nice. And it has app support directly with mob for it. So, uh, I don't think it's a mistake. I think if you're, if you find that what it's featuring fits you go for it. Um, but also keep in mind that there are some other, other options from TickWatch, like their E-Series, as well as I think, like if I'm nothing else, like the 2020 model of the G, uh, the TickWatch Pro, uh, that one was also very nice. It had the one gig of RAM, although not the new processor, but it definitely has a lot of updates. And you get the dual display, the longer battery life, all the good things, all the good things there. Dude, Gary the Fireman, hashtag the man, hashtag Gary the Fireman. Dude, thank you very much for joining us, and I'm glad you were able to make it with us today. Uh, Tomas, Tomas Camara is, is in the chat. Uh, there's a problem. Okay. So I think Tomas is answering a question or I'm not sure, but let's go through it. So there's a problem with it. Uh, and I'm really, uh, I've already reported it to Apple. I can't really make calls or receive calls from other, uh, other people. If, uh, for, it says some kind of an error uh, on it. I already reported it to Apple, uh, and lots of other people as well have seen it. So I think he's referring to the iOS 15 beta one. Um, one of the things that you want to keep in mind. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's not a it's not a concern. I definitely understand what you're going through, and that's a big problem. The only thing I probably can recommend at this point is trying to reset your phone, meaning just do a reset on it, even though you install the iOS 15 beta on it. See if that fixes the problem, but that could potentially be an issue with the iOS 15 build beta one that they're going to have to fix in beta two. Uh, so. Luckily, I'm saying I'm hoping that you install this on the second device that is not your main device, like exactly how I'm doing it. I'm doing it on the uh, the SC 2020 because if there is going to be problems, which I did have a lot of problems with iOS 14 beta, um, I don't want it to affect my experience, but I want to be able to see see how it works and of course upgrade from it. Um, so I hope that they're able to fix it. I can tell you that, although non-relating to it. Some of their upgrading uh, uh, software updates that I've seen with devices where it is it has affected uh, the dialer, the ability of making and receiving calls, have been fixed with updating or resetting the phone. But I think what we'd say is if we just wait a couple more weeks or so, when we see the second beta, it should be hopefully fixed. As long as you're reporting it, they should be aware of it and hopefully taking care of it as well. Uh, hopefully that answers the question for you there, Tomas. Um, I'd like to know. So... I, so for me, Thomas, uh, very, very honest, I did not install it till this morning. So I haven't had a chance to put my SIM card in back into the iPhone SE to try to send and receive calls. Uh, I can tell you that, okay, the, 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 the photo widget is definitely doing this job to impress me, uh, but I'll definitely check that out. So do me a favor, hit me up in about a couple of days on, uh, on Twitter at TKDSL8655. Uh, and I'll let you know there, obviously, uh, how things have been going as far as sending and receiving calls. I want to run it for a couple of days before I'm able to make a judgment call. And if I do end up hitting that, uh, that, that problem, I want to also give me a chance to be able to reset the phone and then try to go back and then give you what, what happens from there. So hopefully that works for you, uh, Tomas. Uh, let me see here, Dominic. <laughs> wrong, Sa not <laughs> you guys. Samsung, Samsung, Nokia. They're always, always. Uh, okay, so let me see here. <laughs> oh, dude, we're getting close. We are getting very close to that, Dominic. Absolutely. Let me see here, uh, Mark. Um, but Mark Bratz, uh, within the U.S., there's also Mountain Down. So yes, there's uh, East Coast, West, sorry, uh, Eastern Standard Time, West uh, Central Standard Time, Mountain Standard Time, and then there's what is. So you're right. I'm sorry. There's four, and then there is Hawaiian Standard Time, which is the opposite side. So where we are in California, we're not necessarily in the center, even though we're on the west west coast of the country. So. Uh, 
Los Angeles is on the West Coast, New York is on the East Coast. So you get the two different time zones. And then you get Maui or Hawaii. And Hawaii is literally opposite the other side. So if this was East, this is us, Hawaii is bam, right there. And they are three hours behind us. So yes, technically I was I was incorrect in stating the standard or the, the overall overarching kind of uh, premise there. Uh, but yeah, the, the short answer is there's a lot of time zones going on in the U.S. Uh, so depending on where you are, not only are you in different times, but also in different places. So uh, yeah, everybody's hanging out with us for sure. Uh, let me see here. Also mountain. <laughs> Sorry about that, Mark. I forgot about mountain time. Um, it it does, it does unfortunately attribute to the fact that it tells you that I haven't been to a place where there was mountain time before. Um, I, can, I can say that I've traveled to quite a few places, but unfortunately, it's one of those things you have to kind of keep in mind. Um, uh, Dan is saying, by the way, TK, I'm looking forward to seeing your new PC build. The 5900X uh, is a, is absolutely a peach. Yes. Um, the the biggest thing that I was actually kind of considering, with, especially with the uh, Ryzen 9 series uh, processors. So I have the 3900X, not the 3950, which was the upgraded version that had the more processors built into it. Now, the 3950 and the 5950 are considered to be in the league of their own. Obviously, the 5950X is the highest that they offer currently. And one thing that I really, really appreciate about the Ryzen or the AMD architecture of, uh, of CPUs is if I didn't have that problem with my X, uh, sorry, with the X470 more, uh, motherboard that I had before and I had to go switch that and end up getting to the 570, um, I could have used the 5950X on my 470 motherboard because that's how AMD chipsets are. They're all basically chips that you can switch over. And the main thing that you want to make sure is that your uh, manufacturer, in this situation was Gigabyte, updates the BIOS to support the new chipset. Um, and when they did test that board and returned it back to me, they actually tested it out with a 5950X at over at uh, Gigabyte. So they made sure that it worked because that was what caused my problem. And now that motherboard uh, is on my in my son's PC, which... This is the benefit. I'm giving him the 3900X, upgrading him from the 1800X, and then I'll be able to use the 5900X. So for sure, I'll say this, Dan. It's going to be a looker. It's going to be RGB heaven, and it's going above my desk. It's no longer going to be under my desk. That's how much. I mean, I have RGB right now, but this is a different look. Like the case that I'm going for right now from GameDS is just crazy nice. So for sure, uh, big, big fan there. Uh, Yes. So Jimmy, Jimmy Fryer Dragon is saying, uh, you're right. Um, actually, that was one of the main things I also kind of uh, advocated or even kind of commented on it. Um, actually, I was sick not that long ago. And that was one of the main indicators that I that I had a fever. I didn't feel like I was hot, but I was. And the G GTH did, did give me that. So uh, there for, for sure, there's a few other sensors in there. Like I said, as long as it fits what you're looking for. The only reason why I was recommending some of those other options is because the uh, that you know Mobvoi does have other devices. If the price is what's causing you to choose the GTH, but it seems like you're looking more for function. So for sure, I think the GTH is a very capable smartwatch. Again, sub one hundred dollars, uh, and it does a lot, and the battery life is very nice. So the main, the only thing for me that kind of held me a little bit from using it as a daily uh, watch and not going back to Wear OS is the notification uh, responses and the ability of seeing exactly what's going on, like WhatsApp messages and be able to see the pictures in there using the assistant. Some of those things I felt like for me were needing and were missing from the GTH, but you're right. The other temperature sensors, uh, all of the other stuff that you're talking about are very, very nice and very accurate. I like them very much. 
Uh, let me hear. Okay. So we are getting close to that. We are getting close to the TK section uh, part of the show. It is about an hour and 37 minutes, almost an hour, 40 minutes. It is, it's part of the show. If you haven't been with us before, uh, I, this is something new. It's a, it's a time basically where we start putting in, in the comments, the, the hashtag TK section. You probably see it if you're looking at the comments right now. Uh, and essentially we do a little bit of a visual thing that happened to us back at the beginning or the inception of our show that kind of carried over. And we have it as part of our ending segment of the show so it kind of signals the transition from uh, from uh, from the live stream to finish it uh, unfortunately it's a very visual thing so if you're listening to us here on the audio podcast later on uh, make sure to hit up the channel at tk bay uh, over uh, on youtube and you'll be able to check it out it's very much a, a trippy experience um let me see if i can catch uh jay jetter is there uh, thank you very much for the super sticker always always appreciate the support for you guys i love it i always appreciate you guys hanging out with us uh, so here, Chemi's throwing us one more last thing. I think I thought there was Hawaiian, Alaska. So if my my understanding is Alaskan time is the same as Pacific Standard Time, we fall in the same time zone because I've been to Alaska and time there was the exact same here. Uh, so unless I'm unless I was absolutely wrong, I think it, even though there it may be called out, it typically is the same. Uh, the time doesn't change. Uh, and the timing, or okay, I take that back. And then some of the ones that you see uh, in. Um, take that back like in, in our watches when we're setting them up and they give you the the timing and where you can pick the different times uh you'll notice that a few of them even though call out different times they're in the same negative time from greenwich so if you if you understand that they may be called out they're not necessarily different um so yeah uh central america arizona doesn't have a, a daylight savings and that's what causes them to be changing the timing depending on the part of the year that you're in that was the reason why i said we love you arizona uh i wish we didn't have it honestly daylight savings just messes up it, it's every year gets worse for me and it just takes more time. So let's just say that. Uh, the more I interact with TK, the more I uh, he amazes me. Uh, <laughs> never thought he'd be in a, he'd be a fan of RGBs. What was I thinking? No, just kidding. Oh, dude, I appreciate it. No. Uh, how's the battery? Uh, I was getting a solid about seven days, seven to 10 days on battery on that. Actually, that was one of the more fun parts about the GTH. I didn't have to remember to charge it. It's not something that I have to remember once every other day or so. Battery was actually pretty good. That's one of the benefits of RTOS. It's that they're low. Um, it's the interaction function. The, the lack of it, even though you're missing features, but those are the features that typically eat up most of your battery. So when you consider that factor, you get a lot of benefit there. So it's definitely very nice. Uh, but yes, let's go ahead and start it up. I think we have enough, uh, or I think we have a few TK sections sitting in the chat. I'm going to use... I am going to go a little bit up because I think I saw a few. Finn Jacobs started us up. Oh, Dominic was the first, of course. So here we are. Uh, so we're going to share the screen and screen two. And let's do this correctly. One, two, and <laughs> it's always delayed. Thank you. Thank you very much for everybody for hanging out with us on this Saturday morning with tech. Um, thank you to Dominic Juan, TKception, TK Food Bay. Definitely check out the channel. Another video coming up on Monday. Uh, this TK Food Bay. Seriously, it's I figured the I didn't want to change the bay, so it's bay the where it is, adding food in the middle of it. Uh, and I'll try to start linking it in the description. And TKception, TK Sony Bay, always TK Sony, all the way. Uh, thank you very much to, uh, you know, obviously to, to Ranesh for hanging out with us as well. I love the chat, love the, uh, the thumbnail man, TKception, TK Super Saiyan Bay, all the way. Speaking of which, you can definitely see this is uh, a Goku Black Rose. Uh, the design, though, for some reason has it on the back, so everybody gets to enjoy it there. I don't, but I am still wearing Super Saiyan stuff. Uh, TK, food, uh, TK Food Experiment Bay. 
That watermelon and, and, and mustard, man, you got to try it. You can't knock it till you try it. And if I was able to do anything is at least convince some people to try it. It may not be your dish. It may not be, uh, again, just one thing to make sure though, make sure you have sweet watermelon, not any watermelon. So when you know that it's sweet, you're going to get that same experience that I'm trying to give you. If it's not, I don't know how that experience goes. I didn't, I did not beta test everything. Let's just say that TK beta testing. Oh, man, always. Let me see here. I think we have a few more coming in. Da, da, da. Uh, Airgeist is in there, of course, with us. TK Exception, Dan, my buddy, my Apex Legends buddy, team member for, for the win. Um, you, you can catch them weekly. Um, obviously, I so I'll say this. Battle, battle uh, sorry, uh, I think it's Battlefield. Battlefield 2042, the, the, uh, the video that just came out this week is just super crazy. I'm probably going to be jumping on that. Not to say that I'm leaving Call of Duty, but I think for me, I want to see that you know, that different game mechanics uh, slightly more realistic to experience as opposed to where there's a little bit certain aspects that I think like Warzone, where definitely it's more connected to reality. Certain aspects of it are still kind of fiction, you know, like a, a gun that shoots lightning, which is typically my gun of choice. Uh, but yeah, for sure. Uh, Rinesh in there as well. Uh, let me see here. I think I'm maybe missing a couple more. Boom. Okay. So here we are. Oh, Finn Jacobs is in there as well. Thank you very much. Uh, Gary, the fireman, uh, of course, ER 1980, Aditya, uh, dark, like angel, uh, Tomas Camaras, uh, of course. Thank you very much as well. Uh, it's getting, yes. So, uh, um, one thing to keep in mind with it, Tomas, and I'll just say this real quick is we have to keep in mind it's a beta. It's intended to be very much an experiment to see if it boots. That's, I think, the base level thing that they were go shooting for. Performance and optimizations are going to get fixed in the update. So I would probably say just keep that in mind when you're using it. Do not use this. Do not think of this as, as going to be the standard, but that's going to be something to kind of go with there. Uh, always, always going on. And so... <laughs> Oh man, Gary the fireman always hitting us up. TKception, TK Alpha Bay, the Tesla Bay as well. Uh, Gary's always, always a lot of our chats, and we really, really appreciate all of your support, man. Uh, I'm sure Juan, myself, uh, everybody always, always support, as well as you guys, Aditya, everybody else. Aditya, as always, with the Kid Benedict Cumberbatch life uh, thumbnail, always, always TK, TK Proud Father Bay. Absolutely, guys, seriously. Like, I have to, you have to ad admire the level of art that it takes this much because I, as much of a fan I, as I am with, uh, with Dragon Ball and, and, and Goku and, you know, Gogeta, Vegeta, all of the different characters, I never once took it to that level of trying to basically mimic that. So I'm hoping my son at some point will start using all of his capabilities that he's learned with being able to caricature, kind of like draw them from sight to start developing things in his own brain and creating his own unique creations. So um, I, I want to say yes, for sure. Very, very proud. Always, always happy. Uh, made, made it. Uh, made, I'll be streaming at that. X oh, yes. The Xbox E3 show tomorrow. So E3, guys, is going to be coming up tomorrow. Um, I saw the announcement early this morning. So definitely looking forward to seeing some of those new things. Xbox with their new announcement, with their new uh, TV service, uh, and then streaming sticks that they're talking about. There's a whole bunch of things kind of coming up. Um, so last but not least. Uh, oh, here. Let me, before I forget it. Jimmy Fire Dragon, of course. Thank you very much. Uh, TK New Food Experiment. Exactly. Uh, Rolando is, of course, my tech reviews. Tomas Camaraz, of course. Thank you very much. Gracias, amor. Mi amigo. Let me see. Oh, Gary, of course. Ending it, ending it with an amazing super chat, as always. Uh, thank you very much, Gary. And I want to say thank you to everybody for hanging out with us again for another episode of Saturday Morning with Tech. It is... 
honestly, some of, one of my favorite parts of the weekend, the ability for me to start my weekend is to literally start the show with you guys because it sets the mood. It sets everything kind of going on for us. Um, next week or so, a couple of videos coming up. I'm shooting to try to produce the Sony video probably later part of next week. I want to spend the week with it since I got it on Thursday. Um, there's a couple of more videos coming up. There's a thing that I have to kind of post to you guys uh, on a on a device that I can't talk about right now. It is not a phone. I'll say that. Um, that'll be coming up hopefully in the next week or so. Uh, but you know what? I'm looking forward to seeing what Oxygen OS beta comes out once we start seeing some of those elements there. The video on Monday for Oxygen OS 12 beta 1 uh, was definitely very uh, positively received. So I hope to keep continuing the updates on that. Uh, beta 2 seems to be doing great. I'll be putting another video on that hopefully soon. But other than that, be good, stay safe, be safe, connect with your friends and family if you haven't had a chance to talk to them. I'll see you again next week for another episode of, the, well, I was going to say the best of our week, but it essentially is Saturday morning with tech uh, with all of your beautiful faces. Take care. I'll see you then. Uh, and again, thank you everybody for everybody, uh, for, all the sh uh, for all the support. Check out the audio podcast if you haven't had a chance to check it out. Uh, but of course, we'll see you guys very, very soon. Thank you very much, Dominic, of course, for the super chat, for the super sticker. Uh, last one, I sorry, I, I didn't see it uh, there, but we'll see you guys then. Bye-bye, everybody.